For New York kids who have been victims of abuse or neglect, child advocacy centers are supposed to serve as a safe and supportive environment where they can get access to victim advocacy, mental health services, and other help. Because of this important mandate, we wanted to explore what sort of access young people have to child advocacy centers and examine the state funding they received. To do that, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room studio by Michael Pollenberg, Vice President of Government Affairs at Safe Horizon, a victims services group which operates child advocacy centers in the five boroughs. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you so much, David. So I touched briefly on child advocacy centers, but I'm curious, can you expand on the types of circumstances where child advocacy centers might be utilized and expand on the range of services that might be available? Child Advocacy Center is a wonderful model, and it's premised on the fact that when a child makes a disclosure of severe physical abuse or sexual abuse, it can probably be the hardest thing that kid has to do to tell strangers about something that happened to them, often, sadly, at the hands of somebody they know. So the concept of the Child Advocacy Center is to minimize the number of times a child has to make this disclosure, which again can be painful and and hard to do, by having all of the people who need to respond to that child in the same place under one roof. So there's 42 child advocacy centers across New York State serving nearly every county. Safe Horizon has five child advocacy centers, one in each of the five boroughs of New York City. We sit under one roof with child protection protective services, with the Special Victims Bureau of the District Attorney's Office, with the Child Abuse Squad of the NYPD Special Victims Division, and with the medical provider, so that when a child comes in, and usually a child comes into our Child Advocacy Center, either after a call to 911 or a call to the state uh, child abuse hotline, the child has a forensic interview with one of the partners, often Safe Horizon, and everybody else can watch either behind one-way glass or on closed-circuit TV to get the information from the child in real time. This reduces the number of times the child has to tell the story again and again. They don't have to then tell the whole story again to the district attorney's office. They don't have to tell the whole story again to the NYPD. That's the beauty of the model. It is for a child who's suffered from these kinds of abusive situations, it, again, minimizes the number of times they have to have these kinds of conversations. Depending on what the child says, the police department can make an arrest. The district attorney's office can prepare a case. Child Protective Services can make sure that that child is safe to go home or has a place to go to. In the case of Safe Horizon, we provide all of the wraparound services, all of the mental health services, all of the follow-up services that a child and their family may need. So that's the Child Advocacy Center model. And what's the alternative to child advocacy centers? What was the state doing previously? And what happens if a kid doesn't have access to one of the 42 sites? So prior to child advocacy centers, oftentimes kids would have to tell their story seven times, 10 times, 15 times to different people within each agency. The child starts to think, why doesn't anybody believe me? Why do I have to keep doing this? Maybe it's better just not to say anything at all. It's infinitely better for a child to only have to tell their story one or two times. And if a child doesn't have access to a child advocacy center, it just means that so much can fall through the cracks that there could be cases where a child is in significant danger and there aren't enough eyes to notice what's happening with a child and to make sure that that child is safe. Can a child or a family utilize child advocacy centers if they say, 
don't want to get entangled with law enforcement or the child welfare system? Is there a requirement that they make a, a official report of, of child abuse or make an official report to the police if they want to utilize a child advocacy center? There are services outside of child advocacy centers, preventive services and other kinds of services that a family may want to utilize. The cases that come to child advocacies typically are the most severe cases of child abuse. Um, it could be that we get a family who comes in who doesn't trust the police department or doesn't trust the district attorney. But generally, these are the most serious cases where something uh, significantly wrong has, has happened to the child. And where does the funding for child advocacy centers come from? So funding comes from a lot of different places, but the Office of Family and Children's Services, OCFS, is the primary funder for child advocacy centers across the state. I happen to be up here in Albany today with uh, colleagues from the New York State Children's Alliance, or NISCA, which is the advocacy coalition group for child advocacy centers around the state, because funding from OCFS for child advocacy centers has been the same since 2010. It's been $5.2 million since 2010, even as the number of children served uh, has increased dramatically. Uh, in 2010, child advocacy centers served uh, 15,800 children. In 2021, it was over 23,000 kids. Um, the number of child advocacy centers themselves have grown. There were 24 child advocacy centers in 2010. And as I mentioned earlier, there's 47 child advocacy centers now. Um, so there's more kids being served, more child advocacy centers to fund, but the funding for um, these centers has remained flat. So we are up here, you know, we, we bring this to the governor's attention, to the Division of Budget's attention, to the attention of our friends at OCFS every year. Um, we're grateful to the New York State Senate for supplementing this funding. They've uh, designated $2 million for many years now to help bolster child advocacy centers. But it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, despite some good news in the budget this year, there are programs like child advocacy centers that for reasons we don't understand, uh, funding has remained flat. So what is the consequence of that flat funding? Is it just the case that it limits the capacity of these child advocacy centers? Or does it mean they just have to lean more heavily on private donors or trying to get reimbursed in other ways for services they provide? Yeah, I mean, every child advocacy center tries to find funding wherever they can. Fundraisers, you know, 5K fund runs. Um, there's funding also from the New York State Office of Victim Services that goes to some child advocacy centers. In New York City, we have funding from the Administration for Children's Services. And then, of course, private fundraising. So we do, we all do whatever we can to try to make sure that our doors are always open, that we can see every child that comes to us, and that no one is turned away. But it's, you know, at a certain point, we reach a breaking point where I think child advocacy centers across the state are really going to be uh, in, in financial trouble. Well, if the current state support is worth a little more than $7 million when you add in uh, what the legislature adds on to the governor's proposal, what is the amount that you would like to see the state 
fund. Is there a dollar amount you have in mind if you'd like to throw your negotiating position out there for us? Sure. You know, we're asking, we have asked the Senate for the last several years to increase their funding from $2 million to $5 million. Um, so if we were able to get $5 million in this year's budget, uh, now we're talking $10 million, uh, over $10 million to fund child advocacy centers, which I think is much more in line with what programs need. Um, by the way, the Senate funding, which again, we're enormously grateful for, we asked the governor to keep that in the budget moving forward each year rather than have it be uh, subject to sort of this annual designation. Um, but again, they, they, they don't keep it in the budget. So we have to ask each year again for the, new, for the new funding. The governor did propose a big increase in funding for victims' services uh, in light of a uh, d- decrease in federal fundings. Is there any opportunity to tap into that money? You know, we are so grateful to Governor Hochul and her team for recognizing the fiscal cliff that we're facing and for putting in state dollars to keep crime victim services across the state open. It's a wonderful move by the governor. Um, That funding fundamentally is to keep existing programs running. It's not so much for opportunities for growth or expansion or or new programs. Um, So, uh, you know, if a program wanted to use more funding, it would be coming out of another provider's pocket. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. We've been speaking with Michael Pollenberg. He's the Vice President of Government Affairs at Safe Horizon. Michael, thanks for visiting us in the studio. Anytime. Thanks, David. Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.